people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have, all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, oxen, sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telem. 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. This is a massive force. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart down from amongst the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from amongst the Amalekites. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all of the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and the best of the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, and it was told to Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went on to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and, the, and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, you, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, the fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil? And why did you do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the Lord, the voice of the Lord. I have gone in the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, son of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen, and the best of things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as in sacrifices? as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams.
for rebellion is as the sin of divination. Other translations for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And presumption as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. There's a lot going on there. A lot happening. We've got an appointed king given the instructions, the commandments, the edicts of the Lord through the prophet. Very clear. Excuse me. Very clear. And he goes out and he actually disobeys. And then he still has the audacity to go, but I have done what you've said. And he even says to the very prophet that's bringing words of judgment to you, bless you. And um, what I was feeling in through this is that we need to understand that one of the keys to blessing in our lives is obedience to the word of God. It's obedience to the voice of God. So I want to just take you back a couple of steps because there's a lot of similarities between Saul and us and there's a lot of similarities between Israel and us. And Israel had actually been calling out for hundreds of years. Israel had been, had been led by God and then he brought the judges in and then they said, no, 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 we want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. Give us someone that we can look to. And actually Samuel comes back and says to him, guys, you don't want a king. He's going to lord it over you. He's going to take your stuff. He's going to put burdens on you. Rather serve God. And they know, no, 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 oh, we want a king. So in God's grace, he relents. And he actually says, okay. And he picks a king, probably the same way that most of us would pick a king. He's big. He's strong. He's good looking. He's got a great military record. This is a man of war. He's won many battles in the name of Israel. He's got a reputation. He looks the part. He's somebody that if I was standing next to him, it would be like me and Rian. You'd probably pick Rian if you want to go into a fight. And they do that, and they pick. And God says, okay, I'll set for you Saul in. And he sets Saul into office, and Samuel anoints him, and he becomes the king. But you see, it wasn't what God wanted. It was what they wanted. And in 1 Samuel 8 verse 7, we read this. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in that they say to you, for the, in that they say to you. So they're saying, We want a king. He says, For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, God, from being king over them. You see, in every single day, we have the opportunity to choose who we serve. We serve God, or we're going to serve the king of this world. It's really very, very simple. So God chooses them, chooses uh, Saul. He's the right guy for the job. He looks the part. He's amazing. But something happens fairly quickly with all of us men. Is there any perfect guy here? Anyone? Just quickly, shoot your hand up if you don't mind. No. There we go. There's half a hand there. I like that. I like that. I've got an answer for you if we did. But, yeah. So as you can see, none of us are perfect. So as happens with the, with the nature of man, very quickly a crack that was in him starts to manifest. It starts to show in his leadership style. And all of a sudden, disobedience starts to flow out of the king of Israel. And that disobedience starts to infect the entire nation. And it comes through two different forms in this sense. 
He's disobedient, one, because he's really insecure, and number two, because he's fearful. And I want to read you just something quickly where he had actually done this previously. This wasn't this that we read now. It wasn't the first time that Saul got it wrong. So in 1 Samuel 13, verse 12 to 15, he's given instructions that he needs to wait before doing his sacrifice, and then they're going to go into battle, and the Lord will give them victory. This is all. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord, so I forced myself, and I offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom in Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over this people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel arose and went from Gilgal, and the rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up to Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people that were with him present up to 600 men. You see, actually there, that moment, is when Saul lost the inheritance for, not only for him, but he actually lost the inheritance for his sons. You see, when he came in, he had been given the promise and the bl of blessing by God. And the Lord has said to him, as long as you will obey me and, and submit to my commands, I will establish you, I will bless you, and your families will reign forever. And in a moment, because he's now afraid that the armies around him are going to come and are going to take him out, he, he, he makes a plan. How many of us in this room have made a plan? He makes a plan. He doesn't wait on the Lord. He doesn't do as he's commanded. And you know what actually happens? In that moment, he loses his inheritance for him and his sons. In a moment. And you could think to yourself, like, wow, but hold on, God, that's a bit harsh, eh? It's like, it's one, one mistake and I lose all of my inheritance? So I want to say to you this. There's many people in this room that want to be leaders. You want to have influence. You want to be recognized. You want to lead. You want respect. And for some of you, actually, that is what God wants for you too. He really does. We need leaders across this church and across all of the Joshians, we are running, we need leaders. We need men and women of character to be able to stand up and lead. And we don't have them. We can't raise leaders fast enough. But I want to say to you today, if your desire is to lead a community group, a Bible study, the worship team, whatever it may be, you need to learn to obey God's word now while you're in training. Because let me tell you something, when I get it wrong here, the influence is far more wide-reaching. You have to learn to win those battles of obedience in the quiet place. Win the battle of obedience for your soul today, just for you, before you want to take other people on your journey. Because my, my mistakes, my mess-ups, my things are public. When I, get, I agree. When I get it wrong, I stand here. And I repent to all of you. There's nowhere to hide. And the rest of my eldership team will be right next to me. And the heart will be to restore me. But I don't get to, I don't get to hide my sin. 
where you are over there, you're not having people necessarily you should have. And I want to encourage you to have people that can look into your life and see destructive patterns and speak into those things in love and help you through. But if you can't learn to obey the voice of God now, God can't trust you with his people. That's just a little aside. Thank you. And sometimes, like the Amalekites, God says, I want to rule over you. I will show you the way. But like God, we go, no, 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 God, actually, I I got this. I know better. Or perhaps it's not even that we know better, but we just simply don't even bother to ask God. Anybody been there? Change job, change house, change church, change the partner that you're with, change school, whatever it may be. We just do it and then, oh, by the way, Lord, actually, I'm here now. Are you with me? We can't do that. That's why we have accountability. That's why God has taken orphans and put them into family so that we have fathers and brothers and sisters and friends that can come alongside us and they can help us to make these decisions, not because there's control. You know, one of the things that keeps getting said about Joshua Generation Church is we want to control you. I don't want to control you. I just don't want to have to pick up after your mess. I'm sorry that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. There's times when I can see you're going to stub your toe. That fifth brick on the road, it's out of there, and if you carry on walking like you're walking, you're going to kick that thing, and I'm going to have to clean your toe. No, it's fine. Boom. Oh, shoot my toe. And you know what? Under the grace of God, with the love of Him in my heart, we will help you, and we will bandage up your toe 20 times. But why go through the pain? Seriously, why? And we're not left to ourselves. God doesn't send us out like orphans and say, well, good luck, have a nice time, and I hope things work out for you. He's with us. And he promises in John 14, verse 15, I love this, this is so encouraging to me. It says, but if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Keep his commandments. If you love him, if I love my wife, I maintain covenant. I maintain the love that's between us. And if she asks me to do something that's reasonable, I'll do that. I'll do it. Because I love her and she loves me. You see, if we love Christ and we've put our faith in him, and we've repented. And that repentance, can I just say, repentance is continual repentance because we are continually sinning. I don't put my hand up in a meeting once and say, yes, please, I'll, I'll, have, some, I'll have some eternity. I, I, I want to get out of jail. I, I don't want to go to hell and burn for all eternity. And we put our hand up one day. And then we go on living just like the world lives. And then we think on that last day that when we stand in front of God, because we put our hand up in a meeting, but we've lived our life completely separated from anything he's told us to do. And we think that he's going to say, sure, come on in. It's a strange thing. It's a strange wind of doctrine that's finding its way through the church that's giving us this assurance that we shouldn't have. If I'm in him, I'm in him. And if I'm in him, I am where he is and I do what he says. He is my savior and my Lord. We want one without the other. Save me. Yes, I'll save you. 
But if you love me, do what I tell you. It's a natural outworking of the Christian heart. Looks at God and goes, Lord, thank you that you've saved me. I deserve death. I deserve destruction. I deserve hell. But because of you and because of Jesus dying on the cross, all that I can do is thank you for saving me. And now I give you my life. And when you say left, I go left. And when you say right, I go right. And when I don't go, which we don't, then what does we do? We get on our knees before him and we repent. And what does he do? He says that I'll forgive you. He gives us people. He gives us wonderful people. He gives us leaders. He gives us family. He gives us friends. He gives us our community members. He gives us the word of God. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He's given us every single tool that we need to be able to follow him. And that's why I believe that it's really so dangerous to be outside of the fellowship of believers for too long. It's so interesting for me that Bronwyn, without even knowing what I was preaching this morning, came up and shared about how she'd grown up, seeing the hypocrisy of parents that are elders in a church and leaders in a church that she was abused at home. And she looks at that thing and she goes, I want none of that. And what does the enemy do? He isolates and he pushes Bronwyn to one side and then he starts to work. And then he starts to push because now she's alone and she's isolated. There's no one to bring truth. There's no one to bring balance. There's no one to pick her up. That's why we do this. I don't follow up with you, Rian or your community leader, follow up with you on a Monday morning when you went to church on Sunday because we've got some sort of quota to meet. Who cares? But I care about you. What's happened? What's coming to your life? What's, what's manifesting in your life? What are you struggling with? What can't I see? You see, one day, for those of you who call this, this church home, I will stand together with Ruin. We will stand accountable for your lives before the Lord. And I won't be able to hide. I won't be able to go, oh, but Lord, that's not going to happen. He will demand answers of me. And I need to be able to answer him. Because I don't know, it's not going to float. That's just a bit of a side note. Maybe you need to hear that. Maybe you've been out of the fellowship for a long time. Maybe pastors and leaders and prophets and evangelists and have hurt you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't repent for this and it wasn't me. But I'm telling you right now, if you're going to judge every future leader by that person, I and every future leader will have failed you before we even started. And I'm starting 10 steps back. And maybe some, for someone, maybe the Lord has actually been ministering to you and saying to you, it's time to let go now. Like Saul, he was appointed by God. God wasn't surprised when he sinned. And God's not surprised when I do. Back to hearing God's voice. You know, it's one thing for me to speak to you. It's quite a different thing for you to listen I have three kids. I know the difference between listening and hearing. Clean your room. Would you like some cookies? <laughs> Every parent is going, hallelujah, brother, preach. You see, we have selective hearing, but we do it with God too. You come into a sermon, like come into church, and there's, oh, God loves you, and he's 
for you and he wants to bless you and give you. And I don't know the situation with this gentleman that left. Maybe he's never heard this. Bless him. But I want to say to you that God does love you. And I want to give you just a little picture that, that the Lord showed me in terms of obedience. A couple of years ago, I was doing a course in work. It was, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. And I was, I was sitting in, in Connor's room, which looks out over our garden, and I, I looked out at the front garden, and, and the Lord said to me, you know, every bit of the garden that outside of the road is a safe place for your kids to play, isn't it? Like if they run around in there, there might be a thorn, but other than that, there's no immediate danger. There's no lions hidden away. I can see it. As long as they stay on the grass, they're safe. And they can go all the way to the edge of the grass if they want to, but not into the road. Because once they go into the road, there might not be a car today, and there might not be a car tomorrow, but in three years' time, there might be a car. And because I haven't given them a safe boundary to stay within, and because they haven't learned to stay within that boundary and obey their father's voice, that child could die physically for, for being disobedient. And he showed me, I have spacious places for you. When I'm talking to you about obedience in God, I'm not talking about restriction or control. I'm talking about a spacious place. I'm talking about being able to go far and wide and really get stuck in and go for Jesus. But when he says stop, we stop. It's for our good. Can I give you that as a key? Obedience to God is for your good, not his. His purposes will be made perfect without you. He doesn't need you to fulfill what he wants to do on the earth. He chooses to use you. And the more we're obedient, the more he'll choose to use you. If visitors keep coming here and we don't look after them and we don't love them and we don't care for them and we don't draw them in, do you know what God will stop doing? He'll stop sending us visitors because we're not being faithful. But when we love them and we put them with Kev and Kev loves on them and he shows them what we're about and he cares for them, suddenly they get set into family and God goes, when I send visitors to that house, people get looked after. And have we always got it right? No. But we need to obey. Yeah. You know, one of the things that will hold us back is pride. Pride will hold us back from listening to the voice of God. And pride is different, different, it works out differently. So I'll be vulnerable with you guys and just share something of my, my last week. At 4.12, there was a couple of just, I mean, those, some of those preachers just cut me. I, I just felt the Lord just cutting pieces of my heart away that had just become proud and cold and all the rest of that sort of stuff. And I felt the Lord say to me in one meeting, he said to me, Sean, you've got a spirit of pride. <laughs> Nice thing for a pastor to admit in front of a congregation, but you're going to see it all at the end of the day. I said, but Lord, I don't have a spirit of pride. I'm not a proud person. I mean, most of you guys would, would say, no, you're not. He's a humble guy. I said, no, no, no. So it's not about humility. It's not about wanting to be seen. It's not about wanting respect. But you keep getting before me in, my, in your quiet time and saying, Lord, why? Why do I have to sell my house? 
Why do I have to sell my car? Why do I have to take my kids out of school? I'm doing all of this stuff for you, Lord. Why, why, why? And the Lord said, Sean, you want to be God and you want me to be your slave. I don't need to explain to you why. Why did 11 of the 12 disciples die in martyrdom? He said, the right question to ask Sean is, why not? Why not me? Why not you? If we stand here on a Sunday and we sing, Lord, you are worthy of it all. Is he? If God had asked you to give away your most precious, we read about um, Abraham and his son, Isaac, put him on the, on the altar and drive a stake, uh, a sword in. We read that. Everybody knows that story. Until the time that God asks you to put your thing on that thing. And he gives you the sword or the knife and he says, now you need to kill. And what we'll do, pride will go, but why? Why me? Why not Rian? Let, let Rian do it, man. He's got five cars. <laughs> let him get rid of one of them. And the Lord said, what's that to you? I didn't really say that, my brother. I'm just playing. <laughs> I did it, I promise you. <laughs> I really didn't say that, brother. <laughs> you know what, guys? We have to, we have to circumcise our hearts, eh? We've got, to, we've got to let the sword come and cut us and cut away that which is worldly and materialistic and that which wants, I, I want certain things. I love our house, man. I really do. I love it. We built that house from scratch. There was nothing. It's something we created. But you know what? What does it matter? I say that to you honestly. Two days ago, I wouldn't have said it to you honestly. I've had to, I haven't even spoken to, to one of my best buds this whole week because my heart has been so crunched by the Lord. Where I've just been going, I feel pain and I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to mourn over my house. I don't want to mourn over my car. I want my heart to be so His that when He asks me for anything, I give it willingly. And He had to show me the condition of my heart and I had to see it. And it was ugly. And it was selfish. And it wanted for me. And he said, I need you to cut that thing off. Like Isaac, put it on the altar and kill it. And so we do. And I tell you, as his slave, Jesus is my, he's my slave master. I'm, I'm his, I am his son. Yes, there's many, many words that talk about me as sonship. I don't want to minimize that at all. But I'm also a slave. And when my master speaks, I must listen. I have no choice. If I don't listen, I know when I don't listen, ultimately, I'm going to pay the price. It won't be today or tomorrow, maybe, but I will pay the price. And then he's going to have to come and fix my boo-boo. Is this all right? I'm not angry. I'm not angry with you guys. And I want to finish with this. This cut me. Fredine saw me, I was at the beach, I was doing my quiet time, and I, and, and I saw this part, and it just, it, it, it killed me. Eh? Do you know that Saul, your, your disobedience doesn't just affect you? It affects us all. You know, Saul's sons would have been kings. They would have had, for the line, I know when I talk sons, I'm talking generational. I'm not just talking about his four sons. I'm talking about generational. 
God had a generational blessing for that family that he lost in a moment of disobedience. Their birthright, their privilege, their wealth, their inheritance, gone, destroyed in a moment of sin. And I wonder how different it would have been if he had chosen not to. God knew, but I wonder, I often think to myself, like, what would have happened if, if Saul had actually just gone, oh, actually, Lord, please, I'm so sorry. I realized the error of my ways. I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to run back to you. What could have been different for them? But then I also thought about my own life and how some of the choices that I've made, wrong choices, I say that openly, wrong choices, things that I've done that I knew according to the scriptures were wrong. Things that I knew, I did things that I didn't even, I wouldn't even tell my wife that I was doing it and I did it knowing it was wrong because I knew if I spoke to you, she'd say, don't. And you know what? My three beautiful children and my wife are paying for my sins today. And that's four or five years ago. I wonder what changes, what, what happens in us that cuts off blessing from our family and from generations to come. When we're disobedient or stubborn, we don't listen. But I want to give you the good news because there is really very good news. You see, Saul lived. Yay, somebody said, yay, I appreciate that. <laughs> there is good news. There is very good news. There's the gospel good news. But I want to say to you that we don't live in Saul's dispensation. You see, there's one that came. Many of us in this room, we know him. We put our faith in him. His name is Jesus Christ. And he saw... He, was, he had foreseen the fact that we would not be able to do this. If you were in this room and you didn't at some point today feel, what? How? What hope is there for me? Did anybody feel like it? What hope is there for me? How am I ever going to get this thing right? Here's the good news. That Jesus doesn't cut us off. He doesn't say you've lost your inheritance. He doesn't put us aside and punish our children. He says that if you will come to me, and let's go to 1 John, 1 John 1 verse 9. This is the good news for you and for me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that not great news? Is it not amazing news that the, that the full stop didn't come after Saul, but that Jesus came and he died for your sins and for mine. He died for your disobedience and for mine. And if we put our faith in him and if we make him Lord and Savior, he says, I will forgive you when you confess your sins and I will remember your sins no more. Is that not amazing? Is that not good news? That is very good news. It's very good news. So I want... I don't know everybody here. I wish I did, and hopefully I'll get to know a lot of you guys that are here for the first time a bit more. I don't know all of you. So I'm not going to move on yet to what I feel we need to do. But I just want to say to you, you know, if you've come in and you've listened to this message and maybe it's really been hard and you're, it's been hard, 
It's for like, oh, cheapest, I'm, I'm, I'm disobedient and I've fallen so short of the glory of God. I want to say, well done, because you've joined the rest of us. There's none of us that are righteous, not even one. The Bible says it very clearly. That's another bit of good news. There's not one person that's doing this thing right, except for Jesus. And when he came and he lived the perfect life in our stead, he lived as a man, he died the perfect death without sin, having faced every single trial and temptation and test that you and I faced, he faced them all, he overcame them all, he died and he was risen again on the third day. And then he went to appear to his, to his disciples and to over 500 people See him, it's an historical fact. You can go and research this if you don't believe me. And in that moment, the keys to death and Hades were taken. The wrath of God had been poured out and was satisfied. If I've got a cup of coffee and I turn it over and I hold it there for a year, what's inside the cup of coffee afterwards? Nothing. There's nothing there. Can I say to you that for us that are in Christ Jesus, the wrath of God has been poured out. It's been fully, fully sustained by Jesus Christ. And, but we have to be in him. And perhaps for you, 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 you don't know what I'm talking about. What, is, what does it mean to be in him and this wrath of God? Essentially what it means is that for us that are Christians, what we've done, which perhaps you haven't done, is we've, we've realized that we're sinners in need of a savior. We've realized that we are separated from God through our sin and disobedience. We've realized that. And we've chosen to bow our knee and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I realize that I have fallen short of your glory. Please forgive me. Please redeem me. Please wash my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and give me right standing with God so that if I walk, over, walk down here, get hit by a car and leave the planet tonight, I'm going to be with you. All of us in this room that are in Christ have done that. But perhaps there is someone here who's never done that. So I want us to pray a prayer together. And then from there, we'll see what the Lord does. So I'm going to say it, and I want you just to say it after me, please, if you wouldn't mind. Lord Jesus, we're so sorry for sinning, for disobeying, and for missing the mark. Thank you for Jesus that came and died and was raised again by the Holy Spirit, for my sin. Welcome me today into your kingdom. I repent and I, and I invite you to become my Savior and my Lord. Where you command, I will go. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. So if there's anyone here this morning that has perhaps never, ever prayed that kind of prayer in front of a group of people before, I want to ask you to, to do something which might be a little bit uncomfortable for you, but that's okay, because it's been uncomfortable for all of us at one stage. And in the Bible, it actually says, Jesus is saying, he says that if you will confess me, Jesus, in front of people, I will confess you in front of my Father in heaven. So there is something of a public demonstration. There's something of a public recognition of I am giving my life to Christ today. So I do want to ask you, if you did pray that prayer for the first time, why don't you pop your hand up for me, please? It's not to embarrass you. 
But I do, want, I, I do want to ask, if there's anybody who's never given their lives to Christ, who's never repented of their sins and put their faith in Him, why don't you just shoot your hand up? It's nothing to be embarrassed about. In fact, it's actually something to be celebrated. So nobody. So then I, I, I'm going to take it on good faith that for each and every one of us here, we are 100% convicted in our hearts that if we had to walk across this road and get hit by a truck, and I hope that that doesn't happen to any of us because I want you to have a long and happy life. But if it did, I need you to be 100%. I cannot let you leave this building unless you're 100% convicted in your heart without a shadow of a doubt that if that truck hits you, the, the word says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Last time, anybody who's not 100% sure just pop your hand up. Don't let today. Today, we don't know our days. We don't know our times. He does. Don't leave. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. So we'll pray with you afterwards, Ian. And then I, I felt like what I wanted to do um, is I felt like the Lord wants to he wants us to be doers of the word and not just hearers. You see, because you can come here and, my heart, and your heart can be cut and you could feel, I don't know, maybe Albert or, or S, maybe you just want to come out and just play some on the keys quickly. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to do. But if you can just go back to that, that last scripture that you had in John there. I just, I, I want to focus on the first Five letter, five words there. If we confess our sins. In fact, you could take away everything else behind that. Unless you're willing to confess your sins. So I felt like there's a moment for us this morning where maybe what we could do is move into your community groups, move the chairs away, move into your community groups, and just pray for each other. move into our community groups and then we can pray for each other and we can just repent and encourage each other in the Lord. So a little while ago I um, had a terrible, terrible health issue. Um, it's just the easiest way to describe it. It's very similar to shingles which is related to stress. And, and even the soul family and my community group, everybody was praying for me, but the healing just didn't want to come. And I was a bit disappointed. And I turned to God and I said, but why? Um, it was actually just after you shared about your eyesight. So I thought, so why can some people get healing and not me? What am I doing wrong? Um, and God really convicted me. And it was old sins from a very, very long time ago that things from my past that I just swept under the carpet and decided to forget about them. And I brought that back to the Lord and I said, um, forgive me for what I've done. Um, you know, it's, some of these things probably also influenced the reason why I'm divorced today. Um, and it was hard. It was hard to look at myself and realize that, you know, it was probably me too. Um, and I had to leave my pride at the Lord's feet. And 
in a couple of days I was healed. Um, so I think my message to you is maybe you're struggling with something and you also ask, Lord, why isn't it happening for me and it's happening for someone else? Maybe it's because there's something that you need to make right with him. Great encouragement. Thank you. And that, that's really what I believe the heart of the Lord is for us this morning. He didn't come to rebuke. And some of you might feel rebuked. He hasn't come to rebuke because he's actually come to set us free. That's what I offer this morning. So can I ask you, if you wouldn't mind, break up into your community groups. I really felt the Lord was in that. Break up, move the chairs, don't worry about that. Break up into your community groups and then pray for each other. I'm not saying that you guys need to necessarily confess everything out loud, but let's do business with the Lord. Is that okay? If you're visitors, if you're visitors and you're not part of a community group yet, please look out for Kevin has got his hand up. So just... Um, you know, the Lord is, is very kind to us. <laughs> this lectern that I've got here, you know, the whole, the, this preach has been for AP, who's going to do a, the name, it's been obedience. And this lectern is actually, an, it's a physical act of obedience. The Lord spoke to Ian and said to him, Ian, I want you to build the lectern for Sean and the guys to preach from, and here it is. On the day we speak about obedience, someone has acted in obedience. This has taken time. I don't know how long you've been busy with this, Ian. Maybe it's been months. But sometimes obedience takes months. And um, just as we finished worship, uh, uh, <laughs> the Lord is so kind to us. I felt him say to me, Psalm 119. So I want to read this to us as we close. Because I'm just i I'm blown away at how this just fits in. And it says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. I heard that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame. When I consider all of your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. I want to say to you that this doesn't need to end as we finish here. We unfortunately have to be out the building by 12 o'clock. That's just a restriction that is in place. But I want to really encourage you, finish the work that God has started in you today. Reach out to your accountability partner. Reach out to your community leader. And if there's more that needs to be done, get it done. So that, like this ends off, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So as we go into the rest of this week, let's continue in this vein. Let's continue to be those that are ever seeking to obey the voice of the Lord. And when we miss it, to have the assurance of good news that we can run back to him, we can throw ourselves at his feet and his mercy will cover us afresh. Is that okay? So I'm going to officially close the meeting there. If I could ask maybe for some of the gents just to come and help the team as well. Uh, we have run a bit longer. But bless you. And I hope that you guys feel really encouraged by this morning. I felt like the Lord gave us each a key. And obedience is that key. Bless you. We love you. We'll see you all on Wednesday at Communities.